Well, good morning, Orangewood. Uh, welcome to all here in the room, those joining online. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6, if you have a Bible, or you can follow along on the screen uh, behind me as I read. And a reminder again, uh, why do we stand? Uh, we stand out of this awareness that we are under God's authority as his people, that he teaches us. And so may he teach us again this morning from Matthew 6, as we read here. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Before you take a seat, uh, let's pray together. Gracious Father, this morning we need your spirit uh, to teach us to, to, uh, to open places in us where you long to speak. Uh, to, to remind us of the beauty of the gospel and all that has been accomplished for us. Enable us to see, perceive, and receive all that you have for us in Jesus. We pray this in his name and everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Um, well, if you're a guest with us, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad you're here. We uh, began a new sermon series last week with Pastor Mark called Kingdom Come. And this sermon series is going to take us all the way through up to Easter. And as part of this series, we, we wanted to come alongside you with some resources uh, to kind of help you as you engage in this study with us together. Um, and so you can go to uh, on the Church Center app or uh, orangewood.org slash kingdom come, and you'll find some book recommendations. You'll find some lock screens for your phone. I've put one of those on mine uh, to remind me of the Lord's Prayer every time I grab my phone, which is very, very often, uh, to just pray right there, um, uh, our Lord's Prayer. And uh, also on that, what I want to highlight today is uh, a section for spiritual practices. Every day of every week, uh, we'll have a spiritual practice for you to engage with related particularly to that sermon of the week. We're not expecting that you're going to do all seven days, but you can go there and find uh, a couple for that week that you would experiment with. And that was a great joy for me uh, this past week. So know that that's there. We also have a little physical copy and abbreviated in the lobby for you. If you want to take that with you, if that helps remind you of it, you can put it on your refrigerator. But once again, all the resources are on the Church Center app or at orangewood.org slash kingdom come. As we uh, begin today, I have a question for you. Um, Have you ever had someone give you advice? Um, Ever asked for advice? 
I remember when we had moved to Michigan and uh, we purchased our first home there and we uh, just moved in and uh, I noticed that there was a neighbor from across the street, a few houses down, who started making their way over to me to introduce themselves. And uh, we had a great conversation, um, telling me about the neighborhood and uh, how long they had lived here. And uh, they began asking questions about our life. Uh, um, uh, why would you ever move to Michigan? Um, uh, what, what, what brings you to Michigan from the South? And we, we talked about that. And then he, we got to the end of our conversation and he, he, he looked at me and he said, hey, can I give you some advice? And I, I, I gotta be honest, I was a bit nervous. Uh, I mean, uh, is there something I don't know about our house that you know? Uh, is there something about the neighborhood that I don't know that you know? Uh, I, 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 can I give you some advice? And then he looked at me and he said, don't ever become a Detroit Lion fan. <laughs> it's like, they are only going to break your heart. And he was right. The 10 years we lived there, they were absolutely awful. I couldn't tell you uh, uh, the last time. Did they have a winning season this year? Uh, but the, the, can I give you some advice? I had a friend reach out to me a couple weeks ago um, working th through a difficult uh, issue in their life. Um, hey, Tyler, can I just grab you for a few minutes? I, I need some advice on this particular issue. Uh, companies and organizations, they, they, they call in the consultant, they call in the one with all the knowledge to, to help them look at an issue going on in the company. You know, those outside eyes, they, they need some advice. Maybe there's something going on in your life this morning that you've carried in here and you're, you're thinking, man, I would, I, would, I would love someone to talk to about this. I, I would love some advice about this. Jesus' early followers were also looking for some advice, but maybe not what you were thinking about. They asked it this way in the Gospel of Luke. They said this, Lord, Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. It, 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 it seems odd to me, maybe not you, but it seems odd to me uh, that this is what they would ask advice for. Uh, you, you have uh, uh, the man with full omniscience, the man who is all knowing in your presence and you have to ask a question. You're looking for advice about something and this, this is what you, what you ask about. Uh, you know, I, I would be asking Jesus, Jesus, um, could you tell me what the next Powerball lottery number is going to be? I'd love to get your advice on that. Hey, Jesus, March is coming and my uh, March Madness bracket needs to get filled out for college basketball. Could you help me uh, give me some advice on how uh, that should get filled out? Uh, hey, uh, Jesus, right now, we don't know which way the stocks are going, um, but Jesus, would you give me, since you're all knowing, would you give me some advice about how to invest in the market? Jesus, I'm having some trouble uh, at my school with other students and I just feel like I'm not as popular as other people. Jesus, how do I become one of the popular people? But they ask about this. When you have the smartest person there, why would you ask advice about prayer? 
Well, here is what I know about life. You and I will experience something. There'll be something that that comes into our life that no matter the amount of money in the bank account, it can never meet the need of that situation. Uh, Something will happen in our life, something that we have to navigate, a, a pain, a disappointment, something that discourages us, and there's no amount of success or things you could have accomplished in this life that can take it away. We will experience something, and maybe you're in one of those seasons right now. Right now. Prayer, prayer is the only thing that will help you and I get out of the darkness. As uh, the followers of Jesus gathered by him on that hillside in the first century, they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And he gave them advice and direction on this most important topic. And here's what he said in verse nine. He said, pray then like this. Uh, This section, uh, you may have heard, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Um, Jesus in it, it, he he says here, this is in the Greek, utas un, which means pray then like this. Jesus Jesus isn't saying here, pray exactly this prayer. He's seeing this rather as a model of prayer. uh, Pray then like this. When when you offer your prayers, may, may they be in this way. And so Jesus gives us, Three perspectives on prayer and how to transform how you pray. First, prayer reminds us that there is a purpose beyond what we can see. Prayer reminds us there is a purpose beyond what we can see. Uh, look at verses seven and eight. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, Jesus tells us about the difference between pointless prayer and prayer with a purpose. Uh, he, he talks about here uh, the, the Gentiles, the, the people who don't know God, uh, the true God. They're, they're offering up these prayers uh, and, and they go on and on, these, these empty phrases. Uh, literally, the, the idea of this was this, they were stammering on over and over again, uh, uh, talking as loud as they could to see if the gods would hear them. There's a sense in this world with the Gentiles that they thought their prayers could not be heard. If I'm just a little louder, will the gods hear me? Do they hear me? Does does anyone hear me? I've shared this story before about this building. You may not know that this if you're new. Um, as we constructed this this building back in the, the late 80s, the construction had started and, and uh, several people from the leadership had, had come to see the building one day and they noticed that the building was off, that it wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Uh, and then uh, the leadership began to investigate what, what was going on and, and, and they noticed that deep down underneath where you are sitting right now 
was a massive sinkhole. One of the beautiful joys of living in Orlando. And so they, they, over the next days and weeks, they're pumping concrete below where you are sitting, just pumping concrete to shore up this foundation where you sit. I would venture to say, this is just my hypothesis as a pastor, uh, but I would venture to say you are sitting in one of the safest places in all of Orlando right now. But with all the concrete below you and above you and around you, what I have noticed is uh, in this building, it becomes the Bermuda Triangle for phone calls. Uh, I, I'm, I'm talking with someone, I'm walking through the building, and the next thing I know, uh, uh, Tyler, are you there? Tyler. And, 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 and their voice gets louder. Uh, they're, they're, they're almost yelling, Tyler, do you hear me? And of course, I, I'm on the other line. Yes, I, I hear you, I hear you, but they don't, they don't know. Friends, how often in life is that what your prayers feel like? Does anyone hear me? Do I need to talk louder? Does does anyone hear me? The Gentiles who lived in the first century lived in a world of chaos. There was no plan or purpose to their world. They, they thought the gods didn't hear them, that they needed more words, that they needed louder world, words. Living in that kind of world only breeds anxiety. Uh, living in that kind of world only breeds a striving exhaustion. What, what more do I have to do for the gods to hear me? Does anyone hear me? I heard one person say recently, there is a relentless restlessness in our souls. Does anyone hear me? Here is the really good news from Jesus himself to you. Your God hears. But more than that, your God already knows. Oh, look, look at what it says here, uh, Jesus' invitation to you, Matthew 6. Do not be like the Gentiles, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, uh, God already knows before you ask. Now, you may be saying, well, if he already knows, does that mean that I don't need to pray? Well, very clear from his model prayer uh, We are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. There there is a sense God longs to hear from us. But I think Martin Luther, the reformer, put it so well. He said, by our praying, quote, by our praying, we are instructing ourselves more than we are him. We're instructing ourselves more than we are him. What What are we instructing ourselves about? We are reminding ourselves through the act of prayer that our life is not pointless. But there is a very good God who is in control and there is a purpose to everything in my life that he is causing to work together for good. Now, you may be saying, well, Tyler, my life sure doesn't feel good right now. Two, two things to that. First, 
The Bible doesn't say God causes all things to be good. The Bible says God causes all things to work together for good. Meaning, God is bringing everything together in my life. He is taking all the bad, the painful, the joyous, the disappointing, the encouraging, the worrying, the depressing, the gut-wrenching, the happy. He is, he's taking everything in your life under his care and in his sovereign hand, and he is working it together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God is calling all things to work together for good. We can pray in faith, knowing that he has a purpose for everything. But secondly, if you are struggling to pray, know that God has a better vantage point on life than you do. I heard someone say this recently. um, In every situation of life, God is orchestrating a thousand things all at once. And you and I may be aware of three of them. We have to surrender to the fact that uh, God's work, his vantage point, is above our pay grade. But how can I trust God in his purpose? This is our second perspective. Prayer invites us to see it is more personal than we dared hope. The reason you and I can trust is because you have a father who sees and knows and is good. And he wants an intimate relationship with you. Have you ever had a time in life where you had a perspective on something, but then new information or a new experience came into your world and it blew away? every other perspective that you had carried with you up to that point. When I was a kid, um, I was in class and we would see pictures uh, and we would study the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever seen these just beautiful pictures that people have taken, aerial shots of the Grand Canyon. And, and you're just kind of blown away. Wow, this is just amazing. Until you actually go and see the Grand Canyon. Anyone seen the Grand Canyon before? Yeah, if you haven't, that first drive up to the site, it, the, the words, you can't even get words out to, you just gasp at the beauty of this moment and, and it changes forever your perspective. In the first century, as, as Jesus is there on the hillside with these people, uh, they had known about praying to God. They, 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 they knew that God had called them to pray, but, but Jesus adds a new perspective. He uses our father. In, in the first century, up to this point, scholars say, we, we don't have any other knowledge of anyone praying to God this way. Jesus is saying, you need a new lens and a new perspective that will take your breath away. You see, for some of us, we've, we've heard about the Lord's Prayer, we've said the Lord's Prayer, we've engaged with the Lord's Prayer, but, but for us, maybe it's as if we've been looking at a photo. And Jesus is inviting you this morning, maybe for the first time, maybe for a long time, to see how personal this prayer truly is, to engage with it as God would want us to. 
this is how Jesus changed it in the first century. He said this in Matthew 6, 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Jesus opens up this perspective about our prayer life, that, that we would pray our, our Father, and no one had ever used it up to this point. Prayer is more personal than we ever dared hope. I don't know if you've noticed this in your life, but I have that relationships uh, really are, um, you can tell the distance in the relationship by how people address you, right? So um, when I meet someone for the first time or they're not sure what to call me, sometimes people will say, oh, Dr. Groff, it's great to meet you. Um, maybe they'll say, uh, pa- Pastor Groff, uh, uh, nice, nice, to, nice to be with you. Um, but none of my friends call me Dr. Groff. Uh, they just call me Tyler. Uh, imagine I, I come home from, from work. Uh, I'm excited to, to see my kids. And, and I walk in. I, 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 I slowly open the door to the house to, 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 to come in and, and to, to receive uh, my, my children's presence. And they look at me and they say, Dr. Groff, it's wonderful to have you home. How, how was your occupation today? <laughs> very formal, uh, very uh, respectful. And, and to be honest, I could go for a little more respect these days. <laughs> but what is the heart of a father? See, if you're like me, I wanna, I wanna go through that door and I want to walk in and I, I want to hear the craziness of chaos as they say, Daddy, you're home. Nothing thrills a father than to have an intimate relationship. Prayer is more personal than we ever dared hope. You see, friends, that's what your heavenly father longs for with you, that kind of relationship. He wants you, not your words, not the kindness and respectfulness of your words. He, he wants you. He wants, he wants you to say, Father. Um, I think more than anything in this life, we need to be reminded that there is a father who sees and knows what we are going through. But if we're honest, we, we struggle to believe that. We, we struggle to hold on to that anchor that prayer offers us. That, that, okay, no matter what I'm facing right now in my life, that I have a father who knows. And he sees me. And he's with me. Uh, this is uh, really what we see in the story of Hagar. Uh, Hagar, it, it, we're reminded of in Genesis. Um, Hagar thought... Uh, she was abandoned. Um, all that she needed in life was to have a child. All that, all that she needed in life was to have Abraham's affection. Um, but in the story, what we learn is uh, this division between Hagar and Sarah happened. And, and Hagar is on the run. She's, she's out in the barren wilderness all by herself with this child. And, and in the midst of her brokenness, 
in the midst of her isolation, in the midst of her dreams being utterly crushed, God speaks to her. In the midst of the place where she is filled with fear, asking questions, what is going to happen to me? What's going to happen to us? Does anyone see me? Does anyone see me? I feel so alone. And in the midst of that pain, things get very personal. God appears to her. God says to her, Hagar, you are not alone. You you do not have to worry. I will take care of you. I am with you. And listen to Hagar's response. She says this. So it says, so she called, this is Hagar. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. I've seen him who looks after me. I love this verse. Uh, Listen, I don't know today what you are facing. Uh, I, I don't know what you are carrying where you feel like Hagar in the barren wilderness and, and, there, and there's, there's, there's something that you're continuing to question. Does anyone see me? I feel so alone. God's, Hagar wants to remind you this morning, and prayer is more personal than you ever dared hope. There's a father who, who sees you, who, who knows you, who wants to speak good news into your life, that there is a way out. Hagar says, truly, Here, I have seen him who looks after me. Do you know that, God? How does God look after us? How how does God become our father? Well, that's our final invitation. Prayer encourages us to see that we have been adopted into his family. Prayer encourages us to see we've been adopted into his family. Friends, do you want to know how you, you can be sure that your father is looking after you? How, how do you know that your father sees you? How, how, do, how do you know that you catch the father's gaze? And, and when you catch his gaze, it's not a face of scorn or ridicule, but to catch his gaze, he smiles at you. How do you know that? You can know that because you've been adopted. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to an adoption ceremony, but there's really nothing like it. There, there is a, a child there who, who, who comes from very minimal means or no family at all. And uh, there is in that day a declaration being made that this child now has all the rights and privileges of a biological child, their own flesh and blood. How do you know You have been adopted into God's family. How do you know that despite whatever has happened in your life, you have the gaze and the smile of God the Father? Well, we see it right here in these verses. Notice that when Jesus prays, he doesn't pray the Father, hallowed be thy name. Jesus doesn't even pray my father. He prays what? Our father. Jesus 
invites you into the adoption of God as your father through him. Friends, this is how you know that the God of the universe looks at you and smiles when he sees you is when you know that Jesus is pleading your adoption into the family. I've heard stories that, you know, times when um, kids are adopted into a family, the the biological children begin to ask certain questions and and have a little bit of disdain. Geez, why why are they being brought into the family? They are going to steal all my stuff. Uh, they, they, they say things like, God, why are they bringing this person into the family? They're going to take mom and dad's love away from me. They, 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 they go into scarcity. They, they go into uh, envy. But Jesus is different. Jesus is different. Unlike us, he is pleading, pleading for you to be brought into the family of God and to, for, for you to receive the love that God has bestowed upon on him. Look, look at how Jesus uh, praised this. Look at just, listen to Jesus's heart for you in his prayer in John 17. He, Jesus prayed this. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Uh, Friends, Jesus is pleading in this prayer that God would love you as he loves Jesus. He's so concerned that you would know God's favor on your life, that it would just fill your spirits, Um, that you have a brother, a brother who doesn't get jealous, a a, a brother who who, who isn't uh, upset that you're being brought in the family, but he relishes it. He, he, He is so excited that you would be adopted into his family. He, he doesn't get upset that you are taking the father's attention. I don't know if uh, you've ever seen this with kids. I see this with my own kids. Uh, but, but whenever you're talking to one kid and you're praising one kid and you're encouraging one kid, what are the other kids sitting there doing? Dad, wait, what about me? What, 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 what about me? Do you see me? What? They begin to complain, wanting Your attention, Jesus is not that way. In fact, he looks at how God smiles at you and he loves it. It it fills his heart with joy. He longs for you to know that you've been brought into the family. Jesus wants to do whatever it takes for you to know the care of the Father's arms. And that's the gospel. What we see in the Lord's prayer is beyond Jesus giving us advice, he's giving us the greatest news any of us could ever hear, that there's grace for every person to be brought into God's family forever. How do we know that? How do we know we have the gaze of God? Well, we see it here actually in Mark 14. Uh, It tells us Jesus staggers in the garden of Gethsemane. 
Uh, Jesus has gone away to pray. He knows that the cross is coming and, and, and he goes away to pray. And, and there he, he calls his closest friends whom he says, these are my brothers. And he asks them to keep watch for him. And, and while he prays, we learn they fell asleep. Jesus is praying and they are snoring. But here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the love of God that you've been brought into the family. As Jesus is praying in the garden, God is silent to his son. Uh, What we read here is from William Lane. The dreadful sorrow and anxiety Jesus is experiencing in the garden of Gethsemane is not an expression of fear before a dark destiny, nor a shrinking from the prospect of physical suffering and death. It is rather the horror of the one who lives wholly for the Father at the prospect of the alienation. Jesus came to be with the Father for an interlude before his betrayal, but found hell rather than heaven open before him, and he staggered. While Peter snored, Jesus staggered. Uh, In every place in the Gospels, as Jesus is praying to the Father, he prayed, my Father, except one. On the cross, Jesus didn't say, my Father, my Father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, on the cross, Jesus is taking on all of our orphan ways. He's taking on all of every bit of judgment, every bit of alienation that we deserved so that we could be brought into the family, that we can know at any moment that God will, will never forsake us, that God will, will, will never leave us, that he'll never give up on us because of Jesus. That through him, putting our faith in him, putting our trust in him, saying, yes, Jesus, you have taken my place. We get brought into the family of God and we receive his smile and he will never let us go. I I don't know if uh, you ever saw the show Parenthood. Um, uh, I would watch it here and there with Rachel when it was on. Um, I I really liked the show. I think Rachel loved the show. Um, And after we would watch an episode together, she would look at me with with tears coming down her face and she uh, she would say, oh, what great writing. It gets me every time. Uh, But one of the episodes that I remember was the story of Victor. Uh, Victor uh, was about to be adopted into uh, the family. And his soon-to-be mom, Julia, is saying, hey, uh, I want you to know next week we're going to go uh, to the court and we're going to finalize your adoption. And he has no clue what that means, but he's like, okay, yeah, sure. And the very next episode... Uh, Victor is running through the house with the football and he knocks over a very expensive vase. Uh, He knocks over the vase and and he begins to say uh, to Julia, oh, don't worry, I'll pay for it. She responds, no, you you don't have to pay for it, but let's just go back to no football in the house rule. And then he responds, he says, does this mean that you're giving up on me? Because of what I've done, does this, does this mean you're, you're done with me? And she said, absolutely not. You're my child, and you always will be, and I will never 
ever, ever give up on you. And, and in the scene, you, you, you can see his face that he finally gets it. That, he, that he's, he's gripped by an unconditional love that will never fade and will never go away and will always be his. And that same love is what God the Father has and longs for you. Friends, would you stand as we close this morning? Friends, here's what I know. The gospel and this grace is sometimes almost too good to be true. It, it, it feels, uh, how could God possibly lavish that love on me with the doubts that I carry, with the, with the selfishness and pride that exist in me, with my, with, my, with my anxiety and my worries? How, how, how can God show me that favor? God says to you this morning, look to your brother. Uh, look to your brother. He, he, he's paved the way. He's brought you into the family. Put your trust in him. If you're here today and, and maybe you've never done that, I'd encourage you to say to Jesus this morning, Jesus, I, I put my trust in you. I, I, put, I put my trust in you that for, to know that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I'm going through, that I've been brought into the family and that God will never let me go. Let's pray. Gracious Father, fill us with your spirit today to be reminded of this great news that we've been brought into your family through the work of your son, Jesus. That in his life, death, and resurrection, those who've put their trust and confidence in him will have the gaze of God forever that we will have your smile and you will never let us go. We pray this in his great grace this morning. And everyone said, amen.